Father, let your peace increase. Let your peace now rest and seal that wonderful work in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Is it okay to operate as a family? Is that all right? To learn to operate as God's family. Well, I'd like to introduce um, Steve, who is a friend, he's a pastor, he's on, he's on our board in Soul Survivor, and he's going to come and lead us in another family activity. Would you like to give a big, warm hello to Steve? B. Thank you, Matt. Hello. What I would love to do is encourage you in your giving towards Soul. And you might say, giving, yeah, I'm talking about giving money. And you might say, why? Great question. You might say, what does Soul do? Great question. So let me tell you what Soul Survivor does. Soul Survivor does this, as you are well aware. It does conferences. But not only this one, it has a young adults retreat. And it also has, a, as we know now, flourish uh, for the ladies. And... I've been coming to Soul Conferences since I was a, a late teenager, and for me, my experience as I came along those first few times, it was all, all foreign to me, this whole prayer stuff, the way that we do it here. Anyone else come along kind of in that place? And I remember one of those early times that I came along, I came out the front one time for prayer, and I was scared, and I was like, what's going to happen? And God really just affirmed something that he had been speaking to me in my life up to that point and has really shaped my life since that point. And since that time, through times of, of conferences with prayer and worship and the teaching here, my life has been really shaped in significant ways by what God has done amongst us as we've, as we've gathered. I don't know if anybody else has had experiences like that from soul. But what else does soul do? Soul does soul justice, which is about showing God's love practically in ways that in, with what's right in front of us on our doorstep. Um, additionally, soul does call to lead. A big woo from anyone past, present. <laughs> yeah, call to leaders. It's an internship program. Uh, learning what it means to live life in the kingdom of God, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of him. We're learning what it means to minister to others um, in the way that Jesus does. And one of the key things that the, these guys do is they go out with soul teams, which are little groups that travel around to churches to bless the church and to share the good news of Jesus. And Seoul does somewhere between 40 and 50 of these teams a year. It's massive, isn't it? Do them right from through the ACT, New South Wales, and up into Queensland now as well. And these are significant times of spreading the news of Jesus. We might just hold those buckets for a moment, and we'll... Ushers, we might just hold those buckets for a moment, and then we'll, we'll do them in a minute. But what Seoul does with these Seoul teams is quite similar to another guy. You might have heard of this guy. His name's Paul. He was in the new, written about the New Testament. He wrote a lot of our New Testament. And Paul basically did this same thing. He went around to places telling people about the kingdom of God, telling people about Jesus and the good news that that brings into their life. And Paul was reliant on people like you and me for his ministry to work, just like Soul Survivor is, reliant on us in order for it to run. And at one point... Paul is out on the road and he gets sent this significant financial gift from one of the churches that has supported him. And so he writes them a letter to say thank you, basically, and what that meant to him. And he writes this in Philippians 4.10. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. You know, back then they didn't have mobile phones, so he couldn't just send the money through the bank. I had to send it, and they couldn't get it to him. And he's, got, he's gone, you have no idea what difference this has made in my life, receiving this gift from you. And he goes on, 
As you Philippians yourselves know, that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. And it's the same with soul. Soul is reliant on people who come along to give toward it in order to spread the news of Jesus in the way that it does. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Basically what Paul's doing is saying, thank you. Thank you for your gift. And tonight I want to say thank you to those of us here who have partnered with Soul Survivor so that Soul Survivor can go out on the road and spread the good news, share the love of Jesus with people who otherwise may not have encountered him. And Paul goes on and says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And basically what he's saying there, he says, actually, it's not, it's not even about the money. Like I'm thankful for the money that you're getting, but it's, it's not actually about the money. It's about the opportunity that the money provides. The opportunity to spread the news of Jesus and to do the work that we're called to do. And the reason why I give to Soul Survivor in an ongoing way monthly is because of what I have experienced of Soul. It's made a difference in my life. And I want other people to have the opportunity to do that into the future. And I don't know where you're at, but I want to give you the opportunity here to give toward the work of Soul as well. And the way that's going to work is our ushers are going to bring around little containers and you can drop cash in there if you want. The ushers will also have cards that they can hand out to you, just grab their attention. And those cards are a way to give, to fill out your details, to give in an ongoing way toward the Ministry of Soul in a monthly, or you can do just a one-off donation on that. And also, if you have a credit or a debit card on you, then you can get up and Beck is sitting over there and you can take your card and, and tap it and um, take the donation that way. So is that, that's not all right? So the ushers are going to come around now and and collect if you would like to give. And feel very free to stand up and wander over to Beck if you would like to give in that way. The orphans now have a home All that was lost has found its place in you You lift our weary head You make us strong instead You took these rags and made us beautiful Let me pray as we finish collecting this offering. Father, thank you for those who have given generously toward the work of Soul Survivor in order to see your kingdom advance in the ACT in New South Wales and beyond. And Father, we ask that these gifts would be powerful in advancing your kingdom amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say thank you, Steve. All right. Are you ready? Have you got your Bibles? Have you got your note-taking devices? Have you got hearts open and an Aussie cheer? She's come all the way from England, Ali Martin. 
Thank Ooh. you. Hello. There was like wolf whistles down <laughs> Ellie. Must be my mum. No, it's not my mum. Ellie, <laughs> yes. welcome. Thank you. Can we say welcome again to a Sydney, Australia, everyone? Ellie. Thank you. Thank you. I receive. I receive your welcome. Now, Ali, um, we met a long time ago yes. in Soul Survivor because because Ali, tell us yeah. about what you what you have done and what you do for a living. Okay. Well, I work for Soul Survivor in the UK. I've been working for them for 20 years now. Um, so older in Soul Survivor years than some of you are in real years. And uh, in times gone by, my job was to go around the world and spend time with wherever there was an, a Soul Survivor. So. Sydney was one of those places and I did that for quite a few years um I don't know five six years uh in that time I met my husband I met my husband he's Australian I met him I met him in Soul Survivor Sydney so if you want to freak someone out right now turn to someone near you and say could you be someone special in my life nice and now that you've done that and you're suitably, you freaked everyone out. <laughs> um, once I married him, I then grounded myself. And ever since then, I've been working solely in the UK. Um, I'm now a mom of two young kids. And so I'm only part time. Uh, and in that part time, I'm a pastor in our church, which is also called Soul Survivor. And uh, I still work for Soul Survivor Ministries in the UK, where we do uh, what you're doing now. We do that back at home. And Ali, uh, tell us about back at home, because lots of us don't know Soul yep. Survivor a lot. And so back home, what does that look like back home? Okay. So in England, we've been running, as I say, well, I've been there for 20 years. It's been going for about 25 years. Uh, we run now five, we call them in our country, we call them festivals. So five festivals, five, five days. Over the course of those 25 days, we get about 26,000 young people coming to Soul Survivor. Events. How encouraging is that, everyone? It's fun. <laughs> and... Uh, so I'm involved in leading those, uh, hosting them, speaking at them, but also behind the scenes, um, uh, making those kind of decisions that help that run, I suppose. Yeah. Now, Ali is, being, um, <laughs> Ali is a gifted teacher. She's a friend. And uh, Ali's been on the road with her family for Soul Survivor Australia now for uh, two and a bit weeks. So this is the third and final <laughs> Soul Survivor gathering but it's only the start of the week Yay. and um, so we've got Ali for the next four nights she's going to be leading us in this theme and um, we're looking forward to it Ali getting Thanks. to know you and learn from the Lord through you let's say you. prayer yes please do all right let's join together father thank you for your word thank you for your spirit and thank you for your servant Ali Lord bless Joel mm. Will and Esther as well during this week and we look forward to this journey in your name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I need to tell you, I'm not just saying this because you're Australian, but I love Australia. I love Australia. And for me, uh, being back here is amazing. As I say, I used to visit really regularly. I think I've been to Australia, I don't know, 10 or 15 times now, which is um, very spoiled of me. And um, I love it. I, lo I haven't seen a lot of your country, but the bits that I've seen, I love. Um, I've mainly been over the years in Melbourne, in Sydney, also a bit in ACT, and once or twice up uh, Brisbane, Cairns, kind of area, and I love it. I love um, the Great Barrier Reef. That was an amazing experience for me when I first went there and went swimming and saw fishes, and there's Nemo, and that was fun. And um, I, love, I love the coffee, particularly in Melbourne, but wait, wait. There's something about Sydney, like when I got off the plane and uh, Matt's father-in-law picked me and my family up and he said, do you want to go through the tunnel or over the bridge? And I was like, over the bridge, over the bridge, over the bridge. I was like, kids, kids, wait, wait, wait. And uh, they, they're five and seven, like they don't understand how amazing it is. Haven't they liked it? But I literally was happy clapping. I was like, yay, I'm in Sydney, I'm in Sydney. And I, I love it. And now a lot of people in England will never get to come here. It's like one of those things, and maybe it's the same for some of you. It's the other side of the world. You have to fly for 24 hours to get here. And it's a long way. So lots of my friends have never been to Australia. So whenever you go home, they say, what's it like, what's it like? 
And I said, oh, it's amazing. And you know, here's a picture of me cuddling a, a koala, which I did today. That was cool. Um, you know, here's, you go to the barrier reef and see this. I can tell them the bits that I've seen and that I've loved, but there's loads of your country that I have not ever seen. I've never been to Adelaide. I've never been to Perth. I've never been to Alice Springs. I've not seen Uluru. And so all I can do, though, is tell them the bits that I've seen. I know, you're like, this is shocking. Someone take this girl on a tour of our amazing country. I'm up for that. But all I can do is say, these are the bits that I've seen. These are the bits that I love. And we've got nine meetings. We've got four and a half days. We're already at the end of day two. Can you believe it? And we're talking about this subject, the spirit-filled life, the spirit-led life. I got it wrong. We're talking about living a spirit-led life. And that is massive, trying to think in nine sessions, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to bring you that's going to give you a glimpse into the spirit-led life? How do we live a spirit-led life? That's bigger than trying to convey Australia to someone that's never been. And so all we can do, all of us that are speaking in these men's sessions, all we can do is say to you, can I show you a bit that I've seen? Can I show you a bit that I've loved? Can I show you a bit that I've seen in his word and that I'm trying to live out in my own life and hope that it brings you a bit of wow. Hope that it brings you a light bulb moment where you begin to understand and enjoy something more of what it is to live this spirit-led life. And tonight, the bit of that that I want to, I guess the the view that I want to give you, the photo from my I was about to say photo album, but who has a photo album anymore? But the bit that I want to show you about the spirit-led life, what does it mean to live a spirit-led life, is this. I can, and you can, not because we can, but because he can. Living a spirit-led life is one where we are enabled, where he enables us. And another way of saying that is that we get to live a life of power. And before I get really stuck into what that looks like in our life, what I want to do is just kind of take a moment to think about what we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit and what we mean when we talk about power. Because often, without, if we don't kind of examine this a bit, we end up thinking some slightly strange things about both the Holy Spirit and power. So sometimes we can think about the Holy Spirit as this unknowable force, this this kind of atmosphere-changing entity that we can't know that is powerful but slightly hard to put your finger on and a bit weird and a bit like if I went over to one of the power sockets in this room if I put my finger in the socket I would experience power but it would not be a power that cares about me or knows me at all it would just be power because it is power and sometimes that's what we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes what we think of when we think of power. And what we need to hold on to this whole week is when we're talking about the Spirit of God, this is not some unknowable force. This is God himself. And as such, the Holy Spirit is kind. He is a friend. He's an enabler. He's a life bringer. It says in Romans that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And just so you know, what that means is, is if he can raise Jesus from death itself, there is nothing in your life, the stuff that we prayed about earlier, is nothing that he cannot conquer, that he cannot bring life to. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a friend. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a healer. He, because it's not an it, he's a he, and he loves to take us by the hand and lead us into truth. That's what the Bible says. And this is what it means to live a spirit-led life. It's one where we enable that friend and that enabler to walk with us, to live with us. And uh, we're told in the Bible that we can expect, we can know that we will receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, When uh, Paul was, sorry, when Peter was preaching to the the church, well, it wasn't yet the church, but he was preaching to the, the crowd that were about to be converted in Acts 2. He says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the assurance of the Holy Spirit, the assurance of God himself in us and working through us is as definite as salvation. 
And yet sometimes we see him as like an added extra or something that we can't be too sure that is available to us, that he's available to us. And yet we're told you will receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. And so that means that we will receive power to do what we ourselves cannot do. So we're going to receive power to be witnesses, to tell other people about Jesus. We're going to receive power to change all those things in our life, the habits that we can't seem to shift, the things that he's asking us to do, the things that we need him for. We're going to receive power to change. We're going to receive power to pray for the sick and to see them healed. We're going to receive power to live out his purposes. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. So the Holy Spirit enabled Jesus, empowered him to live out the things that he was called to do. And he's going to do the same for you. This is what it is to live a spirit-led life. It's a life of power where we are enabled. Why do we need this? Like, if you're thinking, oh, that's okay, you know, power, this word, whatever. This is the only way to live. The spirit-led life is the only way to live. Because of, if you want to change, if you want to tell your friends and family about Jesus, if you want to be um, uh, enabled to do all the things that he is calling you to do in your life, you cannot do it on your own. We often think, well, maybe I can. Like, maybe I could just give it a shot, but I'm older than quite a few of you. And let me tell you, you can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You can. But I can. And you can. Not because we can. Not because it, the power is in us, but because he can. Because he is powerful. And he enables us to live this spirit-led life. It's his power, not our power. It is not about us trying harder, summoning up more willpower. It's about us recognizing actually that we can't do it. That seems to be a key in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And Paul, this great apostle, this great leader, this guy who uh, was taking the gospel to the Gentile world, to the world, to the non-Jewish world, and as he was doing that, he was experiencing all kinds of rubbish. He was uh, experiencing opposition. He was experiencing flogging, uh, rejection in the towns that he went to. Not only that, not only were people against him, but it seemed like nature itself was against him. And he kept getting shipwrecked all the time. Everything was not going his way. In fact, everything was decidedly not going his way. And it seems like there were people out there that were saying, do you know what? He can't be the real deal. Because a real leader, a real Christian, someone that was really called to this would uh, actually look a little bit more successful. Don't we sometimes think that in our own lives? If, I, if he really loved me, if he was really with me, surely life wouldn't look quite like this. And surely I would be a little bit better. And yet this is what Paul says in response. He says, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power might rest on me. And so Paul here is looking at his weakness, all kinds of weakness, and he's cheering about it. He's not ashamed of it. He's not brushing it under the carpet. He's like, no, 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 ignore the flogging, ignore the shipwrecks. I'm fine, thanks. He's saying, look at all that stuff. Look at all the things that I am not able to conquer in my life. Yay! He's, it's like the team that he barracks for is like top of the league. It's like my Instagram got more likes than yours. It's like my dad is bigger than your dad. This is how I'm boasting about my weakness. Come on, bring it on. Bring on weakness because there's something in weakness that means God himself is able to empower us in a way where we're not, when we're not weak. That's the relationship there. So that, I'm going to boast of my weakness, so that in order that I might receive more of the power of God. No one, of, not one of us enjoys being weak. Not one of us enjoys looking at a situation in our life where we think, but I can't do that. 
I can't change that. I can't overcome that. I can't. It's just not a comfortable thing. And yet what the Bible tells us, not just in that passage, but actually throughout, is there seems to be a relationship between I can't and he can. In the Gospels alone, in the stories where Jesus was walking on this earth, again and again and again, we see it's the sinners who everyone else kind of looked down upon who got to party with Jesus, who had just that fun, that intimacy, that friendship with him, those that everyone else despised, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. They were the ones that got to party, whereas the ones that felt like they had it all together were on the edge, always on the edge of the party, watching it, confused, not engaging. We see that it's the poor that Jesus was like, wow, look at them. Look at this woman. She's got no money. And what she has, she's giving it to me. And it was the rich that were like, I don't know that I can be part of this. It's too hard. We see that it was the sick who just, they were so desperate for Jesus that they drew close to him and they, they got what they needed. They got healing. Like one of my favorite stories is of blind Bartimaeus, this guy who's blind, that's where he gets his name from. And uh, he sat by the side of the road and he knows Jesus is near. And so he's like, he's calling out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, call him over. And he, and he says, receive your sight. And blind Bartimaeus is healed. The guy that desperately was aware of his own weakness Receive the healing touch. The sinners, the poor, the sick, the weak, they were the ones that got the power. If you're weak, and I know I am, the promise is Christ's power will rest on you. And what it means then is our weakness, the things in our life where we say, I can't, suddenly they become the most beautiful thing because they become an opportunity to know more of the spirit-led life than we could have otherwise known. My daughter Esther, she's five now. But a few years ago, when she was more than able to walk, uh, and she's still a bit like this now, she liked to be carried. So everywhere she liked to be carried. And what she would do is she would look around the room and see which was her favorite person. And whoever that person was, she would go up and say, carry me. And like the ultimate kind of act of love, was to say, uh, carry me to the loo. And that was like, you know, the ultimate. So my goddaughter, who she has worshipped from the get-go, and the feeling is mutual, she would always say, Lauren, carry me, Lauren, carry me. That was how she said, you're the one I love, you carry me. And I remember being in the car with her one day, and she said, uh, out of the blue, mummy, will Jesus carry me? And I was like, <laughs> yes, darling, he will. It was like this amazing mummy moment. And um, the funny thing is, if that makes her sound really holy, you just need to know that a couple of weeks after that one night in bed, she said, uh, thank you, Jesus, that you're so impressed with me. <laughs> and I was like, wow, no need to work on your self-image. Anyway, but anyway, for the most part, after that day, will Jesus carry me? Every night at bedtime when we were praying together, she would say, thank you, Jesus, that you carry me. Please, Jesus, will you carry me? And I thought then, I don't know that there's any other prayer that she ever needs to pray. I don't know if there's any other prayer that I need to pray except thank you that you carry me. Please will you carry me. Thank you that your power is made perfect in my weakness. And what, Laura, um, what Esther understood was that there was something about being carried that led to intimacy. That's where the closeness was. And for us, when we need to be carried, and we need to be carried in order to change, in order to tell people about Jesus, in order to see the sick healed, in order that we might live out the things that he's purposed us for, and in that, in that needing to be carried, there's this opportunity for intimacy. Therefore, it's not to be feared. Our weakness is not to be feared. The things that we know we cannot do, we don't need to run from them. We just need to call out to him and ask that he would carry us. You know, our culture is one where we're told, back yourself. Come on, you've got to back yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. And I kind of get it, but I hate it at the same time. I just don't see the gospel in that. I don't want to back myself. I want to know and trust the one who has my back, the one who always will carry me, the one whose power is made perfect to my weakness. It says in uh, Psalm 23, it says that surely your goodness and love will follow me, will have my back all the days of my life, all the days of your life. He's got your back. You don't need to back yourself. He's already cheering you on. 
He's already promising you that his power is present and is made perfect in, in all of your weakness. I can and you can, not because we can, but because he can. That is what it is to live a spirit-led life. So then how do we get this present, this power? Ha, <laughs> I just told you. How do we get this power? We get it in his presence. We get it by being close to him. He enables us to do everything that we face by uh, getting him. Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we want power, we need to stick close to him. It's not like he sends out his power uh, like, a, like a parcel, like something he throws at us. It's, it, you know, in England, we have Amazon Prime. So Amazon, I do most of my shopping through Amazon, and you can buy everything through Amazon in England. I don't think it's quite the same here, but if you want vitamins, you can buy them from Amazon. If you want um, hair conditioner, you can buy them from Amazon. If you want an entirely new wardrobe, you can buy it from Amazon. And I have this miraculous thing that I pray will one day come to Australia for your blessing, this thing called Amazon Prime, where I can press a button and that item will be with me by the next day. Can I get an amen? It's amazing. It has this thing called one click. All you do is you press this one button and it's all done. It's all paid for. They've got my address and it just turns up. Sometimes if you're really blessed, it gets there the same day. I know it's good. One day. We can sometimes think that the power of God is a bit like that. You know, we ask, we click the button and he sends it. He throws it our way and maybe we'll get it tonight. Maybe we'll get it tomorrow. But you can't actually separate his power from his presence. It's not something he throws at us. As we draw close to him, he empowers us. He enables us to do all that we need to do. They come together. They're best friends. The power of God and the presence of God, they go together like mac and cheese like Hamish and Andy, love a bit of Hamish and Andy. I need to tell you that we follow them all the way from England. We, we listen to their podcast. My son just thinks they're amazing, especially when they eat weird things or let ants sting them. I think they might actually need some prayer. But, I, but equally, I love them dearly. Got a lot of time for them. The power in his presence. If you stand near a fire, you get warm. If you jump into a bath, you get wet. And if you spend time in the presence of God, you receive his power. There was a guy who came to our festivals a couple of years ago, and uh, he told us this, that what happened is his friends bought him. So he wasn't a Christian, uh, but his friends bought him along. And on the first night in our first main meeting, he hated it. He hated it, and he walked out. He was mad. And this guy had been mad most of his life. When he was young, his older brother was murdered. And he'd been angry ever since, which you totally understand. And whenever he came into one of our meetings, he'd have to leave because the anger was just so strong that he would go out of the main meeting and he would punch walls until his knuckles bled. And he did that every single one of our nine meetings until the very last meeting. And as the worship began, he just said, God, if you're real, show me. And he said that moment was one of the worst moments of his life. You weren't expecting that, were you? (laughs) Because in that moment, God began to take his anger. And that anger had been his comfort blanket ever since his brother had died. And so it was a pretty horrible feeling. But he said everything changed that night. He came and told us that while his knuckles were still bleeding and wounded from all those other days. And then he came back and found us the year after when he was back with his youth group. He was bringing his youth group. And he said, I'm a changed man. No one prayed for him that night. And I love it when we pray. Just so you know, I love it. I live for those moments. But it wasn't anything that anyone said. It was that no one prophesied over him. It was that he was in the presence of God. And the presence of God healed him. The power comes from his presence. So uh, what does it look like to, to experience the presence of God, to live in the presence of God? Because that's something we need to be doing daily. In the same way that our weakness is a daily thing, we need to live in his presence daily. What does that look like? It looks like everything you think it looks like. It looks like reading our Bible and loving the word of God. And I just want to say with that, if that's something you've heard, and when you hear it, even as I say that, you feel guilty because you think, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Wherever you're at today, 
just begin somewhere. Like, you don't need to now start reading three chapters a day or seven chapters a day. If you're not reading the Bible at all, just read one or two verses a day. And once you're doing that, then maybe go to seven or eight verses. And once you're doing that, maybe that. But where you're at today, start there. Living um, with Jesus, experiencing his presence, read your word. You'll find him there. Even if you don't always get it, you'll find him there. It looks like prayer. Again, wherever you're at today, start there. No guilt, please. Just start there. Start with a little bit more than you're doing right now. So if you're not praying at all, begin. If you're praying for a few minutes a day, do a bit more. It looks like worship. To be in the presence of God, it looks like worship. And we get to do it brilliantly when we're here together. And at home, maybe that looks like sometimes putting a CD on. Maybe it looks like making up a little song of your own as you're walking along. I sometimes do that and look like a mad woman. I don't mind. (laughs) But you know, it's not just about prayer. It's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about worship. It's about living every single day with him. Whatever you do, bring him into it. Talk to him. Realize that he's right there with you. I remember at our festivals last year, as I said, I've been doing this for a long time and I host the festivals with two of my closest friends. And so generally I really enjoy it. But there was a day last year where, for whatever reason, I just freaked out. No one else would have known that. But inside, I was like, I don't want to be here. There's 10,000 people looking at me. I want to go. And I couldn't because that's, that's my job right there, to be on that stage in that moment. And I was freaking out. And I knew I couldn't run. And so I just said to the Lord, help. Would you help me? I'm freaking out. I need you. And then what happened was the most amazing thing because suddenly I was aware, really aware, that he was right next to me, that he was stood on that stage with me. And what was like this massive internal freak out just became the most beautiful thing. Probably one of the most special moments of my life ever. And nothing changed. No one could see the difference. But I knew, I knew he was right there. And I realized then, that's the way I'm always meant to live. That's the way you're always meant to live. That's what a spirit-led life looks like, is do everything with him. Whether you're, if you're worrying about something, talk to him. If you're facing a situation where you know you can't, then ask him to be the I can. If you're going into a tricky situation, ask for his help. If you're trying to tell one of your friends about Jesus, ask his help. But be aware that he's with you in all things. Two years ago, I came with my family to visit Melbourne. That's where my husband's from. Sorry about that. Um, I met him in Sydney, but he's actually a Melbourneite. but we'll carry on. But we were back two years ago. And my son, who's seven and at the time five, he hadn't uh, visited us since he was a tiny baby. And we got off the plane and we got to my grandparents-in-law house. And uh, within about an hour or two, William just looked up at me and said, Mummy, I feel like I belong here. I freaked out, but I didn't let him see that. (laughs) You are coming home with me, young man. But anyway, I didn't tell him any of that. But there's something that he felt in that moment that we're meant to feel in the presence of God, which is we belong here. We were made for this. We were made to do life with him and in his power, not as a holiday, as a brief visit. Like you could see this week as a brief visit into the power and the presence of God, where for nine meetings you get to enjoy that and then you go home. Or... You could see this as the beginning of the rest of your life, of every day, living in his presence, enjoying his presence, and being empowered in his presence to do what you cannot do. Where do you need him? Where do you need his help? Maybe for some of you it's in the stuff that you've already begun to pray into tonight. I'll be really honest with you, and the thing that was on my heart when Matt did that call tonight was I'm a control freak. And there's a few situations at home right now that I can't control, and that is freaking me out. That's where control freak comes from. You're a freak when you can't control things. And I was just asking God again, I don't want to live the rest of my life like a control freak. Please come. Please help me. Please change the way that I, that I do those things in life, that I, that I have to hold the reins so tightly. Where do you need his help? What about the people that you're praying for to know him? And you're not seeing a shift. You're not seeing a change. You're not seeing any interest. That's the case for some of my family members. They don't seem to show any interest. And some of them are getting on in years a lot. 
And I worry about that. And I'm praying, God, they don't even want to, they don't even want to know. They don't even want to ask me who, who, who you are in my life. There's no opportunity. I can't. I can't change that. But he can. He can change their heart. He can draw them. Maybe you feel like you don't have the power to walk away from certain things in your life that are holding you and controlling you. You don't have the power. But I can. And you can. Not because we can. It's not in us. But because he can. And we've already begun to enjoy his presence this week. And there's going to be way more of that. But I just want to say... Don't necessarily look for the lightning bolt. You know, for some of you, you will experience God and it will be so tangible and so real and maybe, you know, it might even look obvious to other people. But for loads of us, what we're going to begin to enjoy in a whole new way this week is we're going to enjoy the presence of God. Decide even now and tonight too that that's the way you're going to do the rest of this week. Like I said, not because it's five days of conference holiday, but because this is the beginning or the deepening of a new pattern to live in his presence. I'm going to be quiet because we want to see what else he wants to do. So let's just take a moment, shall we? And you know us by now. We've had two meetings. This, is that right? No, yeah, this meeting number three. Some of you have been here before. If you haven't, if you're visiting tonight or if you're still trying to work us out, we're just trying to make space for God to do whatever he wants to do. And the way that we do that is we just wait on him. It's not, uh, we just wait on him. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you're already here. Thank you that you've been at work in us tonight. You've even begun to bring freedom in new ways tonight. But now we're just looking for you to do more. To increase the sense of your presence, your nearness. To increase with that the sense of your power. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Now just wait on him and look to him. there's something that he wants to do and and I think there's lots he wants to do actually so if he's speaking to you then just keep listening to him if you're sensing his presence which might feel like his peace it might feel just like a new knowledge of how much he loves you he really does then whatever he's doing you just tune into him you can tune me out But I think what he wants to do tonight, and I think he whispered it to me in the worship, is I think there are are people here, and you've just been feeling defeated. Defeated and more than a bit hopeless about some situations in your life. And it might relate to some of the stuff from earlier. It might be something completely different. It might be something you've been praying for for a while. I don't know. But that word defeated just resonates with you. And I believe that uh, Jesus... Remember what Matt said last night, that the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus himself. I believe that Jesus wants to come and just break um, hopelessness and defeatedness, if that's a word, and possibly despair too. The way we're going to do it is, can we just, as simply as possible, this is just going to make it easier, can you just really quietly where you are, just everybody just stand, without conversation, without any of that, just because we're not because we're worried about breaking atmospheres, because I'll happily break an atmosphere. I'll tell you a joke if you want, but um, it won't be a very good one. Why did the toilet roll down the hill? Because he wanted to get to the bottom. That's my son's favourite joke. There we go. He's seven. Um, it's not about atmosphere, but but I know that it can be hard to respond in these moments, especially if everyone's sat down. You feel even more looked at, and I don't want you to feel that. In truth, no one is actually looking at you because we're 
we're meeting with Jesus. But if you know that that word defeated, and you'll know what it relates to, as we said earlier, no one else needs to. If you've been feeling defeated or hopeless, I believe Jesus wants to meet with you tonight. So why don't you just come forward now? And even as they come forward, could just um, Ali and some of the band come up. If you've been feeling defeated or hopeless, just come forward now. You're not going to be the first because there's already people here. Just, you just come. You just know that that's something in your life. Just come. We want to just wait a moment to enable you to do that. And as they come forward, can I just ask that others would come and be ready to pray? Don't pray yet. Because first and foremost, we're just going to just give Jesus a bit of time to do this. But it would be lovely if they weren't standing on their own. So if you just come and join someone. We've already been doing this for each other. Just come and stand next to them. You don't, we're not going to get into conversation or begin praying. We're not going to ask them what's going on. We're just going to stand with them, put a hand on their shoulder. And we're going to, in a moment, begin to pray. But even as they come forward, and if there's anyone else, you want to respond to this word, defeated, hopeless. Jesus, I ask you now for my brothers and sisters, and if no one's praying with you yet, you just look to him because it's going to be him that does it, no one else, okay? Jesus, I ask you now for my brothers and sisters that you would break, break now, defeat, Break now the lies of despair and hopelessness over life and all the tiredness that comes with that. We pray you break it in Jesus' name. You would break into the pattern of lies and speak your truth. Bring your freedom, bring your hope for change, bring your hope for breakthrough. And not only your hope for breakthrough, but I pray tonight, even tonight, there would be breakthrough for many in this room. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Break the chains. Some of you, I don't know, it might be that you've already responded, it might be you're somewhere else, but I think there's some of you here, and I know this is a common thing, so, but for some of you, this area where you've been feeling defeated is over the area of depression, and I've I've asked now in Jesus' name for healing, for healing and change to come. In Jesus' name, your healing. If you haven't come forward and you want to respond to that, it's not too late. Just come. In Jesus' name, we welcome you. And we ask you to do in this room what we ourselves cannot do, which is bring change, bring healing, bring hope, bring freedom. Come, Lord Jesus. Okay, now, just others, just come and pray. We just want to have everybody have someone pray for them. Again, what we're not going to be doing is praying long prayers. We're not going to be looking to come up with the right words to pray over them. We're just going to be asking the Holy Spirit to come. So just lay a hand on them and just say, Holy Spirit, come. I welcome you. If you've come forward for prayer and this isn't normal for you or usual for you, I should say, just look to him. Receive from him. Don't, uh, we don't, this is not something that we have to uh, sort of strive for, but we do just want to say yes, like Matt was reminding us last night. We want to have open hearts, open hands, and say yes to him. Part of that is like, as you come, it's like you're bringing that stuff. You're bringing whatever that is that you've been feeling that defeat over, and you're bringing it to him, bringing it to the foot of the cross bringing it into his light. Come, Lord Jesus, more of you we pray. More of you we pray. Break chains. Break cycles. Break hopelessness. Come, Jesus, more of you. More of you. know as we do this, as we pray, as we spend time in his presence, one thing that we're really keen that you know is that it doesn't now simply become about this ring of people around the stage. It's not a them and us thing. If you've not responded, if this is not what God is doing in you tonight, you can still enjoy his presence. Please do enjoy his presence. Be open to the fact that he might want to speak to you, either for you or for someone else. 
to have your heart, um, your, the ears of your heart open. And if nothing else, worship him, enjoy his presence. Come, more of you. We don't want to rush this. We don't want to rush our meetings. You know, usually there's other places to go. There's other things that we need to move on to, but not here, not yet. We just want to give this time. God, we eagerly desire you. Come, Lord. Would you increase your power in this place? as we do this uh, you can maybe even hear a little bit there's a little bit of tears going on we don't mind that and we, we're never going to shush them up we're never going to try and cover them up this is the reason why there's tears is because it's a safe place there's tears because those tears were already on the inside anyway and they're coming out tonight there's tears because there's healing in his presence so we don't we would mind tears we've got tissues for them if needed but we don't mind them Sometimes people, um, there's a few people lying down in his presence, sitting, kneeling in his presence. Whatever, we don't mind. This is good. God is here. We've invited him and he's here because he loves us. more we wait the more he does I still don't get that but it's we've seen it again and again to be true the more we wait the more he does so give it time guys don't rush it now if you're praying for someone have your ears open have your eyes open to see what the Lord is doing have your ears open he might give you a word of encouragement something that just it just lands so gently on you and you're not sure if it's him go for it just pray into it don't preach over them just speak it out and let him do it then go back to waiting on him more of you more of you now the spirit of God is resting on some of you that aren't at the front we just say yes to that God we say more Lord as we give this time as we keep praying as we keep looking to him Let's the rest of us just begin to worship. <laughs>